What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 140 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Save the Children Again episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Fields, and Travis View. We're back in the field, folks. This week, we're covering the resurgence of Save the Children rallies in Los Angeles. Last year, the slogan became a commonly used soft front for QAnon believers to organize with. On Saturday, April 24th, about 150 people gathered once more on Hollywood Boulevard, this time with a strong Proud Boy presence, a far-right violent gang who showed up to escort the marchers and help them propagate their message. Jake and Travis were present in the fray and have brought us first-hand accounts, as well as a series of recorded interviews with the organizer and other rally-goers. But before all that, QAnon News. My main story this week, the original QTuber Tracy Diaz elected to local Republican Party leadership in South Carolina. Yikes. Beans, beans, beans. Tracy Beans Diaz, yes, as she's affectionately known. Uh, So last week, we were just talking about QAnon followers who are gaining power in local elections. And very recently, we just got another example of that as uh, Tracy Beans was elected as uh, the new state executive committee person of the Horry County Republican Party. Now it's not Horry, H-O-R-R-Y. Yeah. I, of course, read it as horny when I first uh, when I first read <laughs> the news, That's not much of better, but, I mean, whatever. We can move on. I mean, yeah, this is a big deal because, like, all the way back in 2017, Tracy Diaz, she was instrumental in helping QAnon leap from the chans to mainstream social media networks by promoting Q on YouTube and Reddit. She announced the news of her election on Telegram, saying, it's our time. Now, she has been promoting Q recently. Like, she sort of abandoned the mm-hmm. Q uh, sort of baggage, but she is like, this is like, I don't know, it's it's bad because it's like, it's not, it's, it's like if a uh, pamphlet on Coleman Rogers started getting elected to somewhere in Virginia or something. But like also, people she's, who are like, she's hanging out with Q pilled people all the time. She's hanging out with Gene Ho and all of these organizers. So it's not, that's gone. right. That's right. And she's, she was like endorsed by like Michael Flynn and shit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, this is bad. In that same election, a businessman, uh, Roger Slagle, was elected to the new county chair uh, in that particular county. Now, there's no evidence he promoted QAnon, but he did say this during a speech. I want to wake people up in this county. I want to know why we are not doing anything about child trafficking, human trafficking in Horry County. So again, this is a the the, the Q themed uh, issue where there's just a, a a secret society of child traffickers everywhere, even in Horry County, South Carolina, that nobody wants to talk about. I mean, I feel like this is the trend to watch. We got QAnon people all over the country rising from the bottom up, rising from the grassroots in these local elections who are helping fight imaginary. Uh, the the their fictionalized version of human trafficking. You know, they saw how poorly tying yourself directly to QAnon went uh, for Marjorie Taylor Greene in terms of the bad PR she received, the questions about it. So I feel like now they're just replacing QAnon with we want to stop child trafficking. Yeah, yeah, they're removing the label, but all the all the kind of ideologies and projects. Are, are there well yeah. and, it, and that was incredibly apparent uh at the rally that travis and i attended over the weekend save the children again and again and again and again save the children one of the unfortunate things about being a QAnon researcher 
is that oftentimes a QAnon event will pop up with very little warning. Uh, sometimes you'll have less than 24 hours to mentally <laughs> prepare yourself to join the throngs of believers and march through the streets that you've lived in for over 20 years, except now disguised as a supporter of this nonsense. Even more unfortunately for me, uh, I do not have any professional camera equipment to set me apart from the rest of the protesters in any shape or form. So to the naked eye, I am just one of them. No, because you're wearing my Joshua Tree hat, which it's I was wondering hat. where my newer one was. It's my no, backup. It's, my, it's, it's not, my hat. I remember buying it. This is the adult equivalent of I brought it from home. Okay. <laughs> you, I, if I could get just across this this ocean, I'll find your hat here just to prove to you that I did not steal your hat. You don't. There's literally no chance that's your hat. It is the off yellow that is from the newer one that I ordered. I have two copies of that exact hat. You are a filthy liar, and you I saw better you be trolling it. me. You better be I trolling me, because I will, not, reach, I will reach over I this saw you wear and it. strangle you. I saw you wear it. I like the hat. The last time I was in Joshua Tree, I saw the same not hat. Not a fucking chance. Not I a purchased fucking it. chance. You little deadbeat. Uh, this is you, fake you, news You're lucky you. you're in the shadows right now, because if, if I could just see your face a little better, I would somehow punch <laughs> it through this screen. Will you let me continue with my segment? Fine. Thank you. Uh, the night before the event, uh, my partner tried to help me pick out a disguise. I could wear my Cubs hat, I said. An interest in sports will help me blend in, right? She disagreed, believing my Cubs hat was too hipster looking and could potentially be a giveaway. I protested, feeling like a small child, fussing over his outfit on the first day of school. We eventually decided on a Philadelphia sweatshirt. I knew offhand that patriotic things had taken place in Philadelphia, what they were specifically, I wasn't sure, but at the very least, the hoodie felt neutral and came complete with a large front pocket where I could stash the gear I had, a digital Tascam recorder, and a small vinyl pouch with the words weed money printed on it. Yeah, by the way, from the photos, you just looked like a drug dealer, just kind of hanging out on the periphery. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going for. The march was early, 10 a.m., much earlier than I like to get up on a Saturday morning. But work is work. And I wasn't about to let Travis drive two hours to attend a rally alone that was only 20 minutes from my apartment. I texted him at 9.10 a.m. Do you know if it's still on? Hoping, like many other QAnon events, that it had been canceled at the last minute. Haven't heard otherwise. I just parked. He responded. Shit. I dragged myself out of bed, took my vitamins, and threw on my outfit plus a yellow Joshua Tree hat that is mine, not Julian's. We not just have similar taste. You are such a fucking liar, <laughs> Similar man. taste Seriously. in hats from national parks. This better be a fucking troll. I'm not kidding. I have no idea if it is right now, and I'm furious. It's not. It's not. Jake, when I come I back, dude, you, oh my god. <laughs> this is so stupid. Anyways, I grabbed an energy bar and filled my water bottle. The bar would be eaten on the way. The water bottle would be forgotten on the kitchen counter. I got in my car and headed over to the venue. ETA would place me there at 10.20, late. I did a sound check on my recorder. It's a gray day. A little bit chilly for Los Angeles. Last I checked, it was about 61 degrees. Travis, of course, has arrived much earlier than I, and he's there alone. <laughs> but I'll be there soon. Not exactly sure what we're gonna find. This is uh, billed as a, another Save the Children rally. Uh, I think, for my part, I'm not gonna really try to blend in. That doesn't work so well for me. I think uh, I think I'm gonna be straight up. Say, you know, from the QAnon Anonymous podcast, uh, we are a skeptical podcast, and uh, would you be comfortable answering some questions about the movement? 
I, of course, would not go on to conduct any interviews that yeah. day. Yeah, I knew it. Called it. <laughs> <laughs> well, once the once I once I saw the Proud Boy presence there, I became yeah. incredibly nervous, especially because I was wearing a bright yellow hat, oh, yeah. uh, which they also were wearing, but uh, you know, mine was not uh, affiliated with uh, any kind of political movement. Uh, just a national park, beautiful one. And you didn't have a big combat knife. And I did not have a big combat knife, no. Uh, So upon parking and arriving at the event, I expected to spy Travis lingering on the outskirts, taking pictures and looking like a generic, independent press person. Alas, as I rounded the corner, I noticed him smack dab in the middle of a pretty large group on the northeast corner of Hollywood and Vine, shouting at passerbys to take off their masks. Now, this is more slander. I'm with you, Julian. This guy's a liar. Who was yeah. I shouldting at people to take off oh, their masks? Oh, you weren't... Sh- no, the no, group no, was shouting. Bad, it's just bad writing. Don't worry, Travis. Okay. I noticed him. Uh, the group... No, I thought no, that the group was the subject. You accused him. You slandered <laughs> Travis View. Okay, the group that Travis was standing smack dab in the middle of... Right. ...were shouting at passerbys to take off their masks. What was it he was doing? Going he was standing uh, looking sus as hell, honestly, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm gonna be real. <laughs> um, <laughs> it w- I, at this point, I knew it was going to be an absolute shit day, uh, for me at least. Uh, on top of everything else, I hate Hollywood. I had received some of my biggest L's here, and every corner reminded me of all the lost souls who were unable to escape the city's grasp. I rolled through the excited group and planted myself on the outskirts, leaning against a small ledge uh, where I was photographed. Uh, I befriended a young African-American gentleman who was wearing a vintage military-style jacket with the words Black Lives Splatter painted on the back. Yeah, that 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 guy with the Black Lives Splatter uh, jacket, also very wine drunk. He had, <laughs> yes. he, he had a <laughs> bottle of white wine that oh was God. a screw top in his backpack that he just popped out occasionally and just yeah. drank straight from. That's the kind uh, of lo- that's the kind of guy who de- definitely instantly makes friends with Jake. <laughs> oh, definitely. He was the first person I talked to. We talked. We talked for a while. Uh, a live streamer approached him and asked him about the jacket. The man launched into a long speech about the corporate media using white on black violence to escalate racial tensions in the United States and claimed that no one was talking about the black on black violence that he witnessed in his own community. After the cameraman walked away, he produced a large bottle of Chardonnay from his backpack and offered me a pull. I politely declined. My attention was pulled to the sound of a mighty shofar blowing just feet from my fragile little ears. As someone who attended Hebrew school and went to synagogue fairly regularly as a child, I immediately recognized the sound. What was surprising was the person who was blowing it. A short, middle-aged Asian-American woman who could really make the ram's horn sing. She was also waving a large, colorful flag with the Hebrew name of Jesus Christ written onto it. Her performance seemed to dazzle another man who was standing to my immediate left, holding a sign that read, Save our children, save the world, stop child trafficking. He asked to take a picture of the flag and her with the shofar. He was very nice, and he and I struck up a conversation. He talked about the globalists and how most Americans are fed up with, quote, being lied to. When I gently pushed back, saying that I hoped the movement, quote, stayed digital, as opposed to inflicting more real-world violence, uh, he said he hoped so too, but that it would be, quote, up to each individual as to how they wanted to fight back. He mentioned something about infiltrators, and I asked if he thought that there were any infiltrators in today's crowd. He assumed that there were. And he was right. I knew of two. He recommended a podcast to me called Bards FM, uh, where he seemed to be gaining some of his insight and information. I checked it out, and it is a straight-up QAnon podcast with over 8 million downloads on Podbean. There are over 550 episodes, and the premise for the show is printed as such. War is the teacher. Soldiers, it's students. 
faith and knowledge the great weapons of war. Through stories, we reshape the narrative to strengthen our resolve, awaken the truth, expand our vision beyond the limits of the matrix, and bring us closer to God. In the end, God wins. Now, we're going to be having to take a closer look at this podcast because it is it seems to be one guy, but he's got everybody on it. He's got Wano Savin. He's he has um, Joseph Flynn on. I mean, it is a incredibly pilled podcast. So my conversation with the guy was cut short as my attention was pulled towards a handful of young kids who were handing out donuts to people in the crowd. At first, I wasn't sure if the kids were part of the rally. Sadly, they were. As the main organizer with the megaphone led the group in a prayer before the actual march began, my new friend and I were approached by a woman, approximately in her mid-30s who was dressed in all black and waving a giant flag with a gold line through the stripes. She introduced herself as Sarah Stevens and that she was running for governor of California. She gave us her card and told us to follow her on Telegram before emphasizing how important it was to win local elections and take on politics from the ground up. The last thing you want to hear from an individual who is at a Save the Children rally. The march began and we headed west on Hollywood Boulevard. I'm still not used to the looks that we get from confused onlookers, uh, raising their phones and snapping pics of the perverted signage and impassioned cries of, Our kids are not for sale! I was also surprised at the amount of honks of support they got as people drove by. I wondered if passing motorists realized that they were honking in support of QAnon. One middle-aged woman, being pushed in a wheelchair by her daughter, broke out in the event's first QAnon chant. We go I also overheard the Proud Boys who were in attendance coordinating with one another in regards to where they would be stationed during the march. Now, these guys were mostly wearing body armor over patriotic-looking t-shirts, gaiters covering up their faces, and sunglasses. They also had uh, hats that said, shoot your local pedophile, like all uniform hats. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, also they they had t-shirts, uniform t-shirts that said pedowood. And some of them had patches on their military backpacks that said fuck Antifa on them. So heard them discussing this. One group would remain at the rear of the march. Another group would be posted at the front and another pair of guys would march in the street alongside the protesters towards the middle of the pack. All of a sudden, a party seemed to erupt. There was loud cheering and music, sounds of celebration. As I got closer, I realized that the music was being pumped from a standalone speaker belonging to a street performer dressed and painted in in all silver. Uh, His sign read, quote, pay to make me dance. The commotion and cheering I discovered was due to the fact uh, that the protesters had found Donald Trump's Walk of Fame star. They were dancing around it in a circle, and the woman I mentioned who was in a wheelchair actually stood up out of her chair so that she could get a picture in front of Trump's plaque. No. She struggled. I mean, she obviously, uh, it, the wheelchair it, was necessary. The wheelchair was necessary for sure. But 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 oh, she yeah, obviously, yeah. she struggled to get out of the chair so she could take a photograph with the star. It was wild. Now, people did not know what to make of this. You know, the people who were just kind of hanging out on Hollywood, you know, uh, you know, near Man Chinese Theater, this group of people that showed up with all of these deranged signs just circling Trump's star and, and hooting and hollering. There was one security guard who came up and was uh, taking a video of the thing, uh, a video of the whole ordeal. And one of the Proud Boys looked over to him and they were, and they were like, I didn't ex- hear exactly what, what they said, but it was kind of it was a little bit confrontational. And the security guard said, hey, man, I'm a supporter. I just happen to work in the belly of the beast. 
So, very encouraging. One woman in the group seemed to be upset about the amount of time devoted to Trump's sidewalk tile. She screamed, this is supposed to be about the children, I'm getting pissed off. Uh, and soon after, the group moved on and continued marching west. A young man being led by a support animal began yelling his own rallying cries into a megaphone that was slung over his shoulder. I wonder how many of these stars on the ground belong to pedophiles? Too many to count. Too many to count. He would say this a couple more times as we continued walking down Hollywood Boulevard. At one point, I noticed a trio of hot dog stands with LA's famous street dogs being prepared just beyond the iconic Man's Chinese Theater. I asked Travis if he had ever had one, and soon after, another Where We Go One, We Go All chant broke out amongst the group. We go all. We go all. We go I've had you try to sell me on hot dogs. You, anytime you get near any hot dog related thing, you start to just uh, turn into a hot dog salesman for all your friends. Classic. <laughs> hot dog salesman. Maybe the best way to describe me. It's hard to hear, but at the very end of that clip, uh, you, I was so nerd. I was like not having a good time during this whole thing. I was looking for anything to distract me. And at the very end of that clip, you can hear me point out to Travis, I'm like, oh man, look at that Predator sculpture <laughs> that, that we saw like in some like Hollywood souvenir shop. I was like, oh man, awesome Predator sculpture. Just holding on. <laughs> Please get me out of on, here. Holding on to intellectual property as a life raft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> holding on to like 80s action movie intellectual property to keep me afloat. So very true. Uh, once we reached Fairfax Boulevard, the group cut south to Sunset and doubled back towards Hollywood High School. At one point, the crowd was shouting, defund Hollywood, and one guy yelled, the movies suck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he then went on to explain that he was tired of Marvel movies and had no interest in seeing, quote, Spider-Man 11, as he put it. Travis and I wondered that if only the content was better, movements like these might be avoided. We <laughs> laughed, but only out of complete hopelessness. <laughs> When the group finally did reach Hollywood High School, protesters were treated to bottles of water, uh, which were unpacked and loaded on the steps of the high school entrance. The main organizer, the guy at the front of the march with the megaphone and doing most of the chant leading, emphasized that they were against any violence taking place, that if someone tried to start a fight with any of the protesters, that they should back away immediately. Then he asked everyone to join him on the steps for a group picture. Taller people in the back, he yelled. A young man flew a small drone over the crowd, capturing a bird's eye view of the event. About a hundred people, maybe more, gathered on the steps of Hollywood High, where the main organizer led his chant. All right, guys, repeat after me, repeat after me. Together we stand. Together we stand. For the voiceless children. For the voiceless children. Thank you guys. Woo!
So even in just that small minute-long clip, uh, you can already hear two cars passing by honking and supporting. There was tons of that throughout the march. It really surprised me. Shortly after, Travis and I slipped away. As we walked back towards our cars, we could hear the group behind us yelling, our kids are not for sale, as they made their way towards the CNN building. Yeah. <laughs> of course. We had decided that we had enough. Uh, we ducked into a veggie grill off Hollywood that had a nice outdoor seating area where we properly debriefed. Another QAnon rally. Same old shit. Although this time, with increased Proud Boy integration and security. Terrible news. We finished our vegetarian cuisine and made our way back to the parking garage where the day had begun. $10 for parking. I hate Hollywood. Now, before we get into like my experience of the event, I want to back up a little bit and talk about the background of the original Save the Children LA events. So the prior Save the Children events that we attended were organized by the rapper and model Scotty the Kid. However, Scotty the Kid has since abandoned the QAnon game, and this particular Save the Children rally, plus another one that was held last month, were both organized by another rapper by the name of Thaddeus Kinglove Johnson. So I think we need to talk about the SoundCloud rapper to QAnon promoter pipeline. It mm -hmm. seems to be a theme. I just want to make a quick announcement. Tomorrow we got our march in Hollywood, uh, Hollywood and Vine at 10 a.m. Um, you guys make sure to be there. It's going to be big. We marched against child sex trafficking and all the bullshit that goes on in Hollywood. So um, you guys make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, if this has enough people that get on this, I'm going to see about going live and um, giving you guys some more content about that. Uh, yeah, just trying to spread the word. If you're in, the Cal you're in California, we're about to go to Hollywood right now and get a spot. So if you're in the area, you know, come up, pull up, show your support. Uh, it's going to be, it should be pretty, pretty big. Uh, people have been sharing it across social media. I put the flyer out a few, few weeks ago. We're going to be right there on the intersection of Hollywood and Vine at 10 a.m. People are going to be there a little early, so get out there. We're going to have signs made, you know, we're going to march. Um, it's going to be peaceful. Um, we're doing everything to be completely peaceful. I'll make sure there's no, you know, we have some good people there to make sure there's no drama or anything like that, but it should be a dope event. So you guys just pull up. It's about to be awesome. So Johnson's music, it actually has some cute on themes, at least his recent music, uh, which you can hear in his song, Stand for the Kids. Why do pedophiles have access to God mode in the GTA well, 5 of life? 
<laughs> yeah, why do pedophiles get the cheat codes? You know, I think this send them to Gitmo at the end. I think mm-hmm. right. I think this is a I, I guess a common theme with like I guess struggling entertainers is that they think that the the pedophiles they get like the cheat codes to success because they're indoctrinated into the Hollywood cult, and because you're such a good person who would not uh, indulge in such depravity and evilness, that's why you're not succeeding in the you know the rap game. And a lot of them already feel the kind of um, isolation of being pretty hardcore Christians, usually evangelicals or born again Christians, and not having that be a big, uh, let's say, theme in the in the successful uh, music and entertainment industry. Our friends over at uh, Left Coast Right Watch have a great write up about the last event that Johnson organized at the previous event on March 27th. The attendees were extremely hostile to reporters. One independent reporter named Sean Beckner Carmichael, who goes by a cat with news on Twitter, was told to leave and was threatened with violence. This is from the video that Carmichael captured of that heated exchange. We can talk to I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going to stand here right here with you. That's until fine. You go to your car. That's fine. Uh, all fucking day. May I make a request, though? No, no request. As as I'm around the corner. I don't give a fuck with the cops. I don't care if they do. I don't give a fuck about none of that. As I said, I ain't going to touch you. I'm just going to escort you to your car so you don't get touched. And I don't I'm want just going to be with you the whole time. That's it. Okay, I'll tell you what. No, I'll tell you what. I already said what I'm going to say. There's no telling me that you got an eyebrow right there, Do I? Yeah, you got an eyebrow right there. So here's what I think is, is a better Here's what idea. I think. Is you should just go home yeah. before something I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home. What I'm saying is once I'm around the corner, I don't want anybody escorting me to my car. That's all. It just happens to be the one spot. Is that fair? Is that a fair deal? What's that? What I'm saying is once I'm like two blocks away, leave me alone. I don't want you to see where my car is. That's all. Oh, we don't care. We don't ever want to see you again. See you again. You're cool. Yeah, I deliberately did not tell Jake that reporters were threatened with violence at the last rally because I knew this would only worry him. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> and I also knew they wouldn't threaten him. At worst, they would threaten me for being nosy. Maybe they would recognize me. And, you know, what's the worst that they could do? Like, kill me? Honestly, <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah? that's how I want to go. <laughs> Bleeding out from a knife wound on a sunny Hollywood day as chance of where we go one, we go all, shepherd me to oblivion. Your blood splattering <laughs> on Spider-Man as he tries to get you back up. Right. I would be like, they, they're making a blood sacrifice. Jake would join in uh, and Travis would be like, it too, Brutus? <laughs> My blood just covering a Walk of Fame star. When I arrived at the scene, I spotted Thaddeus Johnson and asked him what Save the Children was all about to him. Yeah, what's what's Save the Children all about? Uh, we're out here, you know, just protesting against child sex trafficking, uh, especially out here in Hollywood, protesting against pedophilia and child abuse. Uh, many Hollywood stars, you know, they end up being abused as a child, and the abuser aspect of it usually becomes, like, if you become abused, you become an abuser as you grow up, so... You know, it's it's a major thing. So many kids go missing every day in the U.S. and the news doesn't talk about it. They don't make it a, a priority, and it's because it's a it's a direct conflict of interest. You know, so we're out here just basically getting our voices loud, just trying to create awareness and open some eyes up, and you know, just continue to grow this movement, like waking people up. I asked if there's anyone specific in the entertainment industry that needs to be called out. He started talking about Harvey Weinstein, but then he referenced some comedy sketches he thought were creepy. 
Specifically, he cited a sketch from Tim and Eric Awesome Show, Great Job, called Child Clown Outlet. Yeah, yeah, that's an old one. They had a, a satanic panic around it uh, back in the day before QAnon even. He also didn't like a Saturday Night Live sketch in which a mad scientist played by The Rock invents a child molesting <laughs> robot. Anyone <laughs> specific? Uh, you know, it goes into... There's a lot of people, you know, Harvey Weinstein. There's all these people that... I want to call out a lot. There's a lot of messed up people that have said a lot of things, you know, and I don't know if it's because it was put in a script in the movie, so doesn't that attribute more to their boss or the producer or the writers? I don't know. But you've seen all type of things where, like, movie stars have came out and done, like, you've seen Will Ferrell do the the kid that was in the, the dog kennel and treated him like a, like a slave, basically, and then you've seen The Rock, you've seen them talk, joke about creating a child molester robot on TV, laughing about it. So they normalize this to be as a funny thing and it's not it's not funny at all, you know? So whoever hires them and allows them to do this on the networks that get promoted through paid programming to the masses needs to be exposed and, you know, called out, really. You know, anyone calling for accountability right now, this is the most accountability call you could even have, period. So. People don't talk enough about the victims of Weibo, uh, how we created a child molesting robot dog. Yeah, it was really weird. It's the same thing over and over again, where they think they're, they aren't actually citing any real evidence of crimes. They're citing, like, at worst, evidence of off-color, distasteful jokes on TV, mm-hmm. which, you know, and they think that, well, this the whole thing where it's like, well, they're rubbing it in your face. And it's like, you could cite, like, real examples of Hollywood sex criminals pretty easily. Yeah, totally. You could talk about Roman Polanski, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Or you could talk about... Woody Brian... Allen, to some extent. Yeah, you know, uh, to Brian some extent. Singer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> to some extent, Woody uh, Allen is a pedophile. <laughs> 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 or you know you can talk about uh, uh was it growing pain star brian peck who was convicted of uh, abusing a nickelodeon child actor so there's like real shit you could talk about if you really want to talk about abuse in the entertainment industry but instead like oh there is this gross joke on cartoon network that i think signals something he wasn't even accusing like the rock of doing thing bad it was like maybe one of the writers or something yeah put those they words made, they in made him mouth. look like a pedophile yeah it was like it's like why, why is it i know more about like hollywood pedophiles than the guy who was like organizing the save the children rally in hollywood of course johnson also referenced the old standard the podesta emails you know people tell me about oh lebron said this and that i'm like well lebron endorsed hillary clinton who you know what i'm saying is in her emails has proof of all this sick shit with kids so it's like you turn your eye to that i don't I don't hold nothing past you. Like, you can turn your blind eye to anything, you know? And now, at this point, whatever you're telling me is an agenda because you're not really telling us the important thing. And the most important thing to focus on, the real pandemic is child sex trafficking. It's not no virus. More people are affected by child sex trafficking than any virus. I also spoke to a woman who was holding a sign that said, Occupy the Getty. Now, I already knew what this was about because it's an old thing. We've covered it before. But I asked her uh, what it meant to her. Occupy the Getty? Occupy the Getty? Yeah, what's that about? Oh, uh, there's a gentleman named Stephen D. Kelly who is an ex-CIA NSA operative who has come forward and he believes that there's an underground military base under the Getty that has advanced technology and that's how they're transporting children for trafficking underneath the Getty. 
We go into more depth on the Getty Museum conspiracy theories on episodes 111 of the podcast, which is titled California Mold Children. But, but yeah, they, they all they all come back to Stephen D. Kelly. He, he's the guy leading his weird Facebook group. He has almost 10 failed attempts at getting whitehouse.gov petitions to demand that Marines storm the Getty. Uh, right, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's developed uh, diff- different failed plans to infiltrate the Getty because he's so sure that this is going on. It's bizarre. Like Jake mentioned, the crowd marched uh, all the way to Hollywood High School. When we got there, I spotted a 30-year-old woman with dyed pink hair holding a hand-painted sign that just said, Research SRA Victim. Uh, so, yeah, your, your sign says, Research SRA Victim. So what, what is that all about? Um, SRA stands for Satanic Ritual Abuse. And if you if you type in SRA victims, you'll find a lot of information. Okay. It's kind of straight to the source. Gotcha. So uh, what what what's what? Uh, how do you how do you recommend someone research that? Um, just to go online. If you go if you go on um, either Google DuckDuckGo and you search on images, then go to the images first and click on the link to the image, and it'll go to a website usually. Or go to the videos. Um, I usually filter it to the longer videos because that's the, the videos that aren't going to be the um, the ones that are just quick snips. It's going to be a longer video someone made. So I, I, I change the filter to a longer one. Gotcha. I thought her advice was interesting because she's saying, like, number one, don't go to the website search results. Go to the images. Mm. Like you search for, you know, adrenochrome or uh, was it uh, uh, satanic ritual abuse, and then you find the images, and then you find the videos, and you specifically the long videos. The long videos mm-hmm. are where it's at. Those mm-hmm. are where the real red pills are, apparently. Mm-hmm. But again, this was another instance where she's not telling me anything bad. She's telling me how to find mm-hmm. the information that pills you, but she's not giving me any pilled information herself uh so i, I thought it was kind of vague so i, I pressed her for more details and, uh, what, what what do you think someone will find when, when they research when they search um well well if you put um sra victims and then put like william cooper with it um put kathy o'brien uh there's also um dumbs deep underground military bases those are the deep deep ones those aren't the tunnels those are the deep underground ones, the ones under the tunnels. Um, and you'll find a bunch of stuff about the rituals they do and how they use innocent children to um, take their energy. Gotcha. Yeah, they draw a circle around him and they murder him in the circle. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. You know, so her becoming a little bit more comfortable with me is like all mm-hmm. once I, you know, when she realized I wasn't judging her for the stuff she was saying. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, you know, yeah, all of a sudden she goes from, oh, you know, use DuckDuckGo to they're murdering children in a circle mm-hmm. ritualistically. Also, she referenced there, I mean, again, she was only 30 years old, and she was referencing there uh, William Cooper, who, who was the author of the book, who's a radio broadcaster, author of the book Behold a Pale Horse, which spawned a million uh, conspiracy theorists. So, again, this is just old classic stuff that just comes up over and over again. You know, when I was was talking to these people, I felt a little bit like, like a, a little bit like a Hollywood producer, like hearing hacky ideas I've heard a million times from screenwriters, because, like— you got anything new? No, it's all Bill Cooper. It's all satanic ritual abuse. It's all Podesta emails. It's the same shit that's just in the, the conspiratorial consciousness, and it's just stuck there. 
you know, throughout the day, I noticed that I had seen references to QAnon slogans and sort of QAnon narratives, QAnon themes, but not to like Q itself. So I asked her if she was, if she herself was interested in Q at all. Yeah, my um, my listeners, they're really into um, like uh, Q. Into, like, okay. QAnon. Have you heard of Q? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I, do, you, do you read the Q drops at all? Um, I I come across it and I'm interested in it. Um, I. I read it for information, and it gives a lot of truth. I just feel like it's something to, uh, it's definitely uh, politicized. Gotcha. You know, so I, I do look at it. I don't judge it. I, I like to look at all the information empty, empty cup, empty cup, so that I can fill it up. And whatever I, I want to keep, I keep in my cup. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That was another interesting thing. It's like she said that Q had become too politicized. Yeah, I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. I didn't have the time to like uh, press her for details, but I think this I, relates to like our general theory that the Q Q branding has become toxic, and mm-hmm. so they've kind of shed that shell, and so the but so they they've kept the Q broader themes, which are still obviously infecting people's minds. Well, it could be that she's you know not necessarily a political person. Maybe she actually doesn't like Donald Trump, but she's pilled in other ways. You know, she likes the Bill Cooper stuff. She's talking about dumbs. You know, we could be seeing this new wave of young conspiratorial thinkers that are kind of bored with the, you know, blue team, red team aspect of it. And they're they're there to talk about the, the SRA and they're there to talk about the, you know, the aliens and the, you know, the all that shit without, you know, wanting to necessarily pick a political party to sort of like hang their hang their flag on. I don't know if that's true. I think any of these people pressed the grand majority would say. Trump is doing something about this or he was the only one. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would disagree. I, I have yet to see uh, what you described, the kind of unsticking from Trump or the belief that mm-hmm. red and blue are, are uh, just two sides of the same coin. They really do believe in taking the red pill, and that is very often associated with the, the MAGA uh, Republican movement. But we yeah, know perhaps she just yeah, perhaps she just like you said before, she kind of knows that that QAnon is tainted, maybe. And what and she so, means by too political is that it's being used as a as a label to smear people and make them look crazy on social media and on mainstream mm, uh, media reports. That makes sense. I, I mean, at least that's what I what I would uh, posit there. Mm. But but you know, like you said, there are a certain amount of people in LA that are prime candidates for this kind of post-Trump version of Q where it gets shed. But I would I would venture to say that they would start to vote for even more extreme candidates on the right. You know, people like Tracy Beans mm-hmm. or Gene Ho, who talk about bloodlines, who talk about, you know, cleaning up uh, the crime and the homelessness and this kind of stuff, which is, yeah, like I think um, I think if anything, their politics are going more far right. And Trump is an aesthetic marker, but was never, I think, the root of uh, what they believe. They just thought he's a hero that could maybe accomplish what they want to get done. Well, right. And I mean, even if you're not, let's say you're not a fan of Donald Trump, uh, the only politicians that are talking about um, these kind of conspiracy theories are, are people on the right. Yeah, you would be a fan of um, what Gozar or something, you know, like mm-hmm. those are the people that I will often hear spoken of. And they're invariably uh, friendly to, to Q and Q related conspiracy theories. And they're invariably right. hard right and like against the social safety net against uh, what they 
think of as this wave of illegal immigrants. They usually believe in white replacement. You know, these, there's so many things that come with it that people who are interested in American politics, like they're going to go with whatever uh, is the latest thing, right? You'll have a new guy rise and everyone jumps on board. I mean, how the hell did Trump become such an electrifying figure on the right and within the GOP? He, he came out of nowhere. And so I think people, you know, they're looking for champions, but and they will defend their champion, like Trump. They'll cover up his bullshit. They'll pretend he didn't say this or did say that. But at the mm. end of the day, I think if they had to discard him, uh, if something better came along or something more powerful, I mean, even when he said, hey, you know, getting vaccinated is uh, is good. I got vaccinated. They, you know, they it's like you could see some people being like, yeah, who cares? It's not about Trump. Like we are Q, you know, like we got to continue yeah. this fight. Right. I mean, when you ha when you're a conspiratorial thinker, when the guy that you like uh, all of a sudden says things uh, maybe that are out of character for what you believe uh, that representative sort of stands for, uh, it's very easy to, to, to turn to, oh, well, the deep state got him. And, and also they can think that he's doing more 5D chess. They can think that actually he said that to throw the, the these people off because he's still in like the fight. But, but it's true that out of sight, out of mind, and visibility is value, uh, I think, for a lot of these people. So I think the fading of Trump's appearance on TV uh, at the same frequency it used to is mm -hmm. definitely having an effect of, I guess, in like equal measure, uh, diffusing the Trumpian aspect uh, that, that used to be like a total core to this. They're falling back on God. They're falling back on Jesus. They're falling back on Q, which is already a bit unstable. But I think, um, yeah, I think they're all they, they will adapt. I think they will adapt uh, and we'll see what Trump decides to do right now. He seems to be playing it pretty, pretty clean. He hasn't been dipping his toes in the conspiracy theories, which shows you that I think, in my opinion, he always saw it as just a, a means to achieve uh, a higher uh, electorate uh, a turnout for him. Yeah, the woman I spoke with, uh, she was also, when I asked for more information, she said she was really into Phil Schneider, which is this, uh, uh, claims to be a whistleblower who saw aliens in deep underground military bases. We have an episode on that that Jake wrote. Yes. William is there Cooper, anything else you think where someone uh, should search to learn more about this kind of talk? Yes, Phil Schneider, he was assassinated and ruled as a suicide. Uh, I think in 97 or something, in the early 90s, he... He was working on the dumps. He was doing um, construction on the military bases, and he had he came across some really interesting things that um, kind of are out of the realm of your what you think is real. <laughs> and uh, the stuff he talks about is really crazy. And a lot of the stuff he prophesized not prophesized, but like I guess he said a lot of things that are happening now that was happening then. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're welcome. I think it's really interesting that she didn't exactly tell you what those things were. What what she's referring to is that he, you know, according to Phil Schneider, um, and you should listen to the episode that that we did on it because I go in depth into what his sort of story is and and the lore. But what she's describing is that Phil Schneider claims that he was lowered uh, down into a uh, deep underground military base that he was a engineer, uh, a contracted engineer on, and. Um, that when he was lowered down into the base, uh, they came, he and his team came face to face with an entire population of alien greys who then opened fire on them using energy beams from their hands. 
Schneider claims that you know he has two deformed um, fingers on on one of his hands, and he claims that this energy weapon from one of the alien greys is what melted his fingers off, mm-hmm. um, which is why a lot of conspiracy theorists also say that he could not have killed himself because to tie the knot that was used um, in his uh, suicide, which was a suicide by hanging, um, that he couldn't have physically tied the knot that way because of his uh, deformation in his hand. But she didn't really want to get into all that, it seems. She was like, you know, just kind of look it up and, you know, it's pretty crazy, but it's it's coming true now. I don't know exactly which of Phil Schneider's predictions have come true um, in recent years. I haven't seen any. Yeah, and they seem to kind of forget that he didn't describe any mole children or adrenochrome farms. I mean, Phil Schneider was pretty focused. And so another thing uh, that I noticed here is that that font that is used on the Proud Boys kind of gear that that, uh, associated them to the Save the Children rally is in like the same printing and font as some of the previous shirts uh, about Petalwood that we saw uh, worn by a bunch of young, quite diverse people. I think it was like two rallies ago. And I believe me... they were there as well. Those girls, that group of girls with the with the oh, yeah. pedal wood T-shirts, I believe they were there as well. They were ever a lot of people wearing gaiters over their face. Uh, I don't yeah. think to protect from the virus, but more so to hide their identities. Uh, definitely, all of the Proud Boys uh, yeah. had face coverings, sunglasses. Very difficult uh, to tell what they looked like uh, mm-hmm. un- under the gear. Many many of the Proud Boys even had uh, shiny gold or silver Guy Fox masks. Yes, terrifying and. I mean, it's just like it's mostly terrifying when it's framed with kill your local pedophile above it. And there's like these bug eyes just staring at you through the gold. It's uh, exactly it sucks. sucks. Exactly. So, yeah. So they're they're wearing gold guy fox mask. They all have uniform outfits and hats that advocate for murder. Mm -hmm. And and they're armed with knives at the very least. Uh, so yeah, it is a concerning development because because the, I think what what made QAnon distinct from a lot of other extremist movements is that they are often happy to uh, in the belief that the violence that they wanted to see happen would be sort of outsourced to someone else. Someone else would uh, do the hanging. Someone else would do the killings. Uh, that's not true with the Proud Boys. The Proud Boys are happy to engage in violence themselves if they feel it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden now we have this conspiratorial energy in QAnon that's melding with the uh, slightly more organized and a bit more uh, militant uh, sort of uh, organization of the Proud Boys. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that really concerned me and what felt new uh, about this event um, compared to previous ones that I had attended, that there was this kind of symbiotic relationship. You know, we'll show up and we will protect you, you know, from anybody. You know, they're hoping it's Antifa, you know. I I mean, these guys are ready. They are, they are, they wish that Antifa would show up or Black Lives Matter or any sort of counter-protest uh, group would show up because that that's what they want to do. I mean, they, they, they're they geared up to do so. Did you two ever feel that anybody came close to being a counter-protester around this group or, or did you see the Proud Boys kind of interacting with anyone or was this just like people just left them the fuck alone? No, I didn't see any counter-protesters. Like, at worst, like Jake mentioned, there were sort of, like, gawkers on the side who were filming the uh, the commotion through the streets of Hollywood. But there was no one who was calling them out in any way. I don't know if, uh, you know, the Proud Boy presence scared off any possible 
counter protesters or what, but no, nothing that I saw. When the group arrived at Hollywood High, there was somebody who was there just kind of hanging out at Hollywood High. I think completely, you know, had nothing to do with anything, didn't know that this group would be showing up. But I heard a group of the the Proud Boys saying, hey, there's this guy who's sus over here. You know, he was waiting for us. Mm-hmm. You know, they were waiting, you know, what? oh, he's just going to be waiting at the place that we're going to end up. Like, it seems weird. And I told him, I said, what are you doing here, man? You know, so it sounded like there was somewhat of a confrontation. It didn't really escalate into anything right. um, because, you know, I only, I didn't even, I didn't hear it go down. I just heard them talking about it as I was kind of sitting on the steps uh, while they were organizing for this picture, um, and at first, one of the one of the Proud Boy guys, I I think I'm not sure, but I think he was referencing me because I was sitting alone. I wasn't wearing any patriotic gear. It was one of the guys said, "Wait, this guy right here." And I, and, and you know, in this situation, I'm I'm looking, but I'm not looking. I, you know, you're kind of keeping an eye with your peripheral vision without yeah. looking directly at somebody. So right. I could be I could be wrong, but um, I, I they were definitely paranoid uh, about people and, and potential counter protesters uh, showing yes. up. And and I will say that when the um when the main organizer was was making a a, a kind of big to do about hey no violence, you know none you know we, if somebody approaches for the fight uh, the group of Proud Boys that was sitting to my uh, left on the steps, uh, I could hear them chuckling and saying, "Oh yeah, they don't want any of this." You know, they yeah, of course, yeah, you know, you know, kind of. Mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling that if if somebody did show up, there definitely would be a confrontation. I mean, well, look, if we saw the clip with the journalists that they didn't like, you know, right. they were very much in that guy's face. I don't know if if those people were who were um, harassing that um, that journalist were Proud Boys as well, uh, but I definitely felt more uneasy. I mean, there were times when there was one really big guy in the back and sometimes he would stand very close to me and uh, it was not a good feeling. I mean, they were definitely there uh, to to protect. One thing that I really worry about, and we talked about this even very early on uh, when we went to that rally in Tampa, Travis, remember where uh, the guy at the end was handing out cards and flyers for the three percenters and all that stuff, is I'm worried that, you know, when you have this kind of symbiotic relationship of the Proud Boys that are providing security uh, for the people marching, that that is an opportunity to recruit and and to sort of intermingle. Another thing is that, you know, that uh, drone that was flying above the crowd at Hollywood High School, that was operated, uh, that same drone, I believe, was operated at the Scotty the Kid Draw the Line march. And that's, again, someone who I guess is not related uh, directly to Scotty on that day. But it just shows you, again, that there's like a deeper network of people coming together uh, and planning this stuff together in L.A. And I think, like, hilariously, a lot of them, you know, like, think they're very well-meaning and are incredibly shocked when they get pushback because they're like, what the fuck? I'm just trying to, like, save the children or whatever. Um, but the but the other thing about, about the Proud Boys, I, I would say is that Scotty the Kid previously, you know, for the last march, he had the number, the direct number of a police person. And so he had that card, showed it to me. He was like, this is the person I called to like get the people down there. There were people on bikes and stuff like that. And this time, did you see any police presence or did they just not even have to communicate with the police? They're like, we'll just we'll just get the Proud Boys to do it this time. No, I saw I saw multiple police cars driving by and at least on one occasion, uh, I noticed that the officers looking out the window as they drove by at the rally smiled. 
Yeah. Me, take that to mean what you will. I mean, it's a very small, small movement, but it definitely was something that stuck into my head. Is like, yeah, yeah. They're not. I, there was no police presence whatsoever. I mean, even in front of Hollywood on the Highland, which is you know a hugely traffic tourist area, it's really, really troubling. Because like the two worst case scenarios for QAnon is a is that the QAnon faction of the right starts gaining uh more political power and we're seeing that in the in uh in terms of marjorie taylor green but also them gaining power in local elections and the the other worst case scenario is like them becoming more militant and we're seeing that with our symbiotic relationship with the proud boys uh it's not happening all at once it's very slow but it's 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 a trend that these are those are two trends that are very very worrying Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month. It'll get you a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising free and editorially independent. We stream twice a week at twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. And for everything else, we have a website, QAnonAnonymous.com. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. All right, guys, we are in Apple Valley. I got King Love, Tommy King. You were up talking today. Can you just briefly go what you were talking about and why you're why you're starting to speak now? Yeah, um, honestly, well, I just came out here. Uh, shout out to Sarah. She, she invited me on. Uh, I met her last month at the Save Our Children rally in Hollywood. I just came to just give a talk about, you know, the Save Our Children movement and the missing kids in the world, you know, and I I basically was going into like, we have two choices to live by in this lifetime. We can either choose to live by love or live by fear. And, you know, when we live by love, none of what the censorship and all this stuff, this tyrannical government is trying to do to hold us back will ever be able to stop us, you know, only if we buy into their propaganda and buy into their fear will they be able to control us, you know, and uh, you're, you've been out there in the fight with us. You know how the media doesn't cover uh, cover the marches, and they don't cover they don't cover it how they should. At least if they do cover it, you know they definitely they don't want you to know that the kids are the most important movement because they're the unifying factor that unifies all of us. And you know we're all di- like I was just telling them, you know we're all different pieces to this puzzle. We all have a different part to play, and we all have a different reason God put us here on this earth. And you know. The power, the power of one positive thought is more powerful than a thousand negative thoughts. So that positive initiative, you never know what that can create for your life or what that can create for the world. So never underestimate the impact you can make. You know, it's it's, it's very important times we're in. You know, we're in the most important times of our lives. And you start to learn that every choice you make, every decision you make, it matters. You know, and everything, it has a domino effect, a ripple effect. So. You know, I was just happy to see so many patriots here with no masks and, you know, fighting for our freedoms, fighting for, for the truth. And we're not going to sit down. We're not going to be silenced. We're not going to let them censor us. And we're, we're, we're back. We're fighting harder than ever. We're going to be back in Hollywood on the 24th, Hollywood and Vine at 10 a.m. And we're not going we're, we're to we're not going to lose this fight. Love it, King. King, tell me, um, what made you like, I mean, I mean, what made you start the march? That's what I want to know. Like, what was the what was the whole point of doing it for you personally? Um, for the children, life. was a children' life matter. Yeah, well, like, honestly, we've been censored. You know, that Facebook they cut our whole life cord off with the Save Our Children movement. You know, I was at thirty-three thousand followers, and they they banned my account uh, just for talking about this. You know, and it's. In the, in the midst of the election, they, they wiped the entire hashtags because they don't want you to know about the missing kids, you know. 
And like I like I say, like if I could help one kid, you know, it'd be worth it, you know. And there's a lot, like there's a lot they're not telling us, you know. So uh, ultimately, you know, the day I put out the flyer was March 4th, cause I sit and I sit and watch the the Q stuff. I'm kind of like, okay, we'll sit back and try to trust the plan, see what's going on. Those dates. You know, we'll, we'll come back. But as soon as I saw March 4th, nothing happened. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna try to take changing this world into my own hands. You know, I'm gonna make a flyer, put the flyer out, and just try to create create some motion, create some uh, positive energy, so we can just spread that across the world.